0: top of the morning to you and welcome to the auspicious wellness optimal wellness podcast come on in have a virtual seat at the table you know the invitation is always there it's time for our monday morning drive time show we are broadcasting live and in studio with a wonderful wonderful panel of individuals who are just giving us their time this morning and just wanting to be bring peace in our nation based on some of the things that are happening. We want to also pay tribute to Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And, you know, we just have a couple of people um, to salute and bring to the forefront, which all ties into our program today. And so with that part being said, you know we don't do ordinary, but we endeavor to bring you an extraordinary experience the auspicious wellness experience my name is debbie smith torrance your host i'm a life and health coach a manufacturer in cannabinoid molecules for short cbd <laughs> i am an it developer a mother a grandmother and a wife <laughs> some more stuff all thrown in there and stuff, and so we are live. We are broadcasting live in studio on the Apple Podcast station, Spotify platform, Google, Google platform, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Alexa, Podcast Addict, PodChaser, yeah. Deezer, Listen Note, Podbean, Overcast. HockeyCast, Castro, Caspok, Posbean, and Spreaker, and two more, Player FM and an FFMPG. And there's some more we don't know about. <laughs> they just keep popping up on different uh, stations all over the country. And so wherever you are in the world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It's time for us to dig in, dive in, drill down, and take it all apart put it all back together again, make sure it's assembled properly, and make it all make sense. And most of all, the most important thing to us is that we're true to you. You know where we need you at, the virtual roundtable. Come on in, take your seat. And our episode today, again, it's like I told you, is a tribute to Martin Luther King's birthday and other people that also bring recognition to his birthday and what he was able to accomplish because we all know that where there is success, you do not accomplish things alone. There's other people who contribute and bring things into play. So it's not always about oneself. It's about the collective of everyone. And so even with this collective, we're going today, we're going to have a very intimate conversation. And people have different, um, there's different ways that things have touched them. And we're talking about looking for equality, inclusion, understanding, acceptance, and removing the negative stigmatisms of racism, sexism, ageism, classism, hemophobia, nationalism, religious prejudice, xenophobia, voting rights, and equality. In some way, somewhere, some of these things have touched some of our panelists, and I really salute them for coming to the forefront. I really, truly do, of wanting to be a part of the conversation and sharing, sharing their experiences, sharing how they felt, how they feel. And so being in line with that, I'm going to introduce you to them shortly. But I did some research that I wanted to talk about three very special individuals um, that were part of also that were also part of the March. Um, We knew about the big six from the Southern Christian leadership conference and we salute them. Martin Luther King, Jr., James Farmer, John Lewis, a Philip Randolph, Roy Wilkins, and Whitney, Whitney young. We salute them and we salute these men for their contributions and selfishness. But there were three others who stood up in the face of racism and march, or didn't make it to march, who put their lives on the line. And one of those three individuals lost his life. Three, these three men I, I really want to talk about, and they came from very different walks of life, race, religion, ethnicity, and their strong belief system of standing up to injustices. And the first one that I want to bring is Rabbi Abraham Joshua Herschel, a Jewish theologian. Rabbi Herschel had been in the front line of marches at, the Sel- at Selma. He was a Jewish theologian, as I said, from a Hasidic family who had been active with Dr. King, lecturing and writing on behalf of the civil rights movement, coming from a poor family who frequently didn't have enough heat at home, and his hands were frostbitten so many times because they be- and they be- permanently became swollen from being frostbitten all the time. And and the part that really was so touching to me is he escaped Nazi Germany, escaping in the last few minutes while his mother and sisters were murdered by Nazis. And so he had a story. He had a motivational drive in him as to why he stood up to injustices, because it had happened to him at a young age coming and then being thrown into poverty um, being in poverty and having to live in poverty and then having to come to this country, learn the ways in the United States and to be able to say this is where I'm going to make my mark as a rabbi, as a theologian. And so we salute him today. Archbishop Lakovos, leader of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of, of North and South America. He spent nine years on the World Council Church of Kirches and met with every U.S. president from Dwight D. Eisenhower to Bill Clinton, Jimmy Carter, and Jimmy Carter also awarded him the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1980. And then, one of them that the last young man that I really seriously want to salute is James Reeve. He was a Caucasian Boston minister. He was beaten to death after just simple hours after he arrived in Selma, he in where he came from was the right, the white Unitarian Universalist ministry. He was a minister and he was brutally beaten by a group of men bearing clubs. And then after being beaten so terribly, two days later he died. He gave his life for injustices, inequality. And that's why I have so much respect for the people that are here, uh, in panel with me today that I want to uh, start to inter- introduce to you. And the first one is Victoria Rose, and she's from Texas. She's a Hispanic woman. She's millennial, and she has a very poignant point of view, which I'll tell you a little bit more about her right before she panels. The second person is Haja Habiba Shakir, an African-American Muslim woman living in Georgia, and she's a baby boomer. Our next person also is Valerie, a Caucasian woman who's living in the Midwest, and she is also a baby boomer. And we're waiting on one more panelist that I'm going to announce. His name is Joseph. He's a Caucasian male living in the Midwest, and he's also a baby boomer. And so, um, the Victoria really wanted, I want to kind of tell her story a little bit because I'm really, really proud of her, um. Victoria Rose is a Hispanic woman, Native American Indian. That's what she recognizes. And she's licensed and certified in aesthetics, reiki healing, um, reishi healing, breath work, and sound healing. She also ran for mayor in Texas in the city of Houston, Texas. She's the mother of a five-year-old Samaya and one-year-old Max. She's a healer and a nurturer of the collective, and she has some very interesting points of view. Her her business is called My Holistic Healing Business, and that's what her business is, and it's called Soul Selfish LLC. She also does workshops, and she's working to launch Rain and Shine, which is a nonprofit organization for healing. Her political endeavors are dealing with current political climates, balancing nutrition, others as well as her own children, and how she can help other people. So I just want to welcome you in. Welcome, Victoria. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> thank you for coming. Uh, thank you for being here. We really, really are happy that you're here with us, and really, really want to give you the floor, and also for you to kind of share what it is that you want to share with us about what you what you deal is either something you've dealt with, how you feel, how what what's made you feel for others, and any of those topics that we talked about, which could be racism, sexism, ageism, classism, hemophobia, nationalism, religious prejudice, xenophobia, uh, voting rights, or inequality. So where just wherever you want to start at, the floor is yours. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, so um, like you said, I do
1: identify as you know, technically a Native American. I am of Salvadorian descent. My mother, uh, my biological mother was Salvadorian. Um, not sure what my biological father was. Um, I was adopted into a Mexican-American family. Mm-hmm. Uh, even then, you know, I, lo- I lost my first language, which was Spanish. So from there on, I never really felt like a part of a community. Mm-hmm. And the only people I ever really, you know, connected with was my melanated friends at school, and because they were so used to, you know, dealing with, um, you know, being, you know, deal, I'm sorry, dealing with like exclusion and adversity, they, we kind of just, you know, connected, so the reason I say Native American is because I believe that as a person that was born on this land, on America, in America, um, that I am Native to America, I'm an
2: American.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: At the end of the day, I can't say that, you know, I'm Mexican. I can't say I'm Salvadorian because I wasn't born there. So, you know, that's just how I see it. And also, you know, just to create less divisiveness, I really don't like the fact that we have to, I mean, I know we all have our identity, but we're not colors. We're people. You know, so I, you know, I I understand that, you know, um, especially like nowadays, you know, with Black Lives Matter and everybody's turning it into something different, which isn't right. It's like, okay, well, let's get to the bottom of it. what really matters. Equality, like you guys aren't hearing us, you know, um, and I'm speaking, of course, for black Americans. So um, that's why I identify as such. Um, but, you know, I am of Hispanic descent, and I have two children that are um, interracial. They are, uh, they're, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry.
0: That's okay. <laughs> uh, Take your time. I can Get it out. Don't rush through. <laughs> you don't, and, listen, this is they, like, listen, um, this is Victoria. This, this mm-hmm. show is always like friends having a conversation on the phone. That's what it is. You You don't mm-hmm. have to rush. Take your time. And we're here. We hear you. We want to know how you feel we want to, we don't want it to feel scripted because it's not, we want to know how you feel as, as who you are. That's what we want to know. How does it affect you? How does it affect your children? How does it, it, what, what I'm, what we're trying to do here is create a platform, a sounding board where the next time we see people that we understand based on what you what you can explain and help us with we can be more sensitive mm-hmm. to how to speak to people how they feel how to entertain and understand what they're feeling so that we can be more mindful of what affects mm-hmm. other people because we don't walk in their shoes so we don't understand all the culture but we need to we need education in cultural education. We need to understand how to speak to people where people feel empowered. We need to learn how to understand culture and other people's cultures and respect them as human beings and and them as human beings and them as people and remove all the other stigmatisms that are there. So we're here to hear you, baby. We're here. Go ahead. The floor is yours.
1: Thank you. So, um, yeah, like I was saying, my uh, both my children are black and Hispanic as well. And the way I see it these days is um, with myself being in politics, I understood where I kind of, you know, came from. I'm a young Hispanic woman, you know, going against, you know, the incumbent, which, you know, he had been uh, holding office for some years here, mm-hmm. and so and he's a black man. so. Um, they were kind of looking at me like, you know, what what do you have to offer? And I also have to recognize that I do have two black children. You know, that, does, that shouldn't make any difference, but it made a difference from where other people kind of stood because they're just like, you know, well, what do you have to offer us? Because, you know, here we are, we already have a, a minority, quote-unquote, you know, um, representative for us, so what could you offer us? And, um, of course, I'm, you know, plain face and not, you know, uh, a, a, you know, I can't re- uh, relate to the black community, you know, physically, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of hard having those conversations because I already don't have the political background, and so um, it it was like me. Ha- and on top of the fact that I'm I'm a woman, also a young woman at that, a millennial. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of just a lot of like, uh, you know, what makes you think you can do this? And I had to really just sit back and meditate on it, and I, I came to the conclusion is that. I'm here, you know, I had the balls to get here
0: (laughs) when a lot of people (laughs) wouldn't
1: and, you know, did a lot of this work on my own. And so, um, as far as my children though, I I feel that in this climate that our country is in, honestly, if if I'm being completely honest, I am stepping away from that energy only to preserve my own and to preserve my children in the event that, you know, things go, honestly, whichever way things go, they're going to be focused on self.
0: Right, right. Because when
1: you focus on yourself, when you focus on your own, you know, growth, you don't have to worry about what's really going on in, you know, the larger scheme of things. If you're, you know, walking in integrity you're being a decent human being out here, you're having respect for people, young people, older people. There's nothing really that you can, you know, there's no way to go wrong, I feel. Well, if I, you're really walking in true integrity and you have respect and honesty, you, you know, work with honesty and all that. Exactly. I believe that, um, of course, you do have to be aware of what's going on, but yes. as far as, um, you know, the division well, I'm teaching my children there's no such not that there's no such thing, but I want them to live in a world where there's no such thing as as division. They shouldn't have to be worried about oh, my friend, you know, dad came to school with his flag attached to his truck. What does it mean, mommy? You know, so it's it's fine. Me, that's
0: just that's, it, it. It's fine. I think fine. I just wanted to interject and say this. I believe everybody has a point of view. Sometimes we haven't gotten our full message from ourselves yet, from our journey, or maybe sometimes it's a message that's still developing and we're still developing of who we're growing into, as whether it's leadership, activism, whatever it may be. Sometimes it takes us Mm -hmm. a minute to get there. And something else I want to empower you with, you have to stop and think, how many times did Barack Obama want to, did he actually try and run for president? A lot of people, look at Joe Biden. How many times did Joe Biden Run for president. It, how many times, you know, did he try to, you know, run for president? How many times have, sometimes when we fall down, we get back up stronger. But it's the courage to mm-hmm. get back up. And if you can look up, you can get up. And that's the most important thing that you get up. And so how many, just imagine all of the people that are going to admire you because you had a stand you took a stand because you wanted to bring change. And so we salute you for wanting to bring change because there's no judgment here for any any panelists, but most definitely saluting you and telling you to stick to your belief system. And if it's something there for you walking within your journey, it's going to get you there. It could be the sheer will of your children that will get you there, okay? It could be any of those things, so... I salute you, and you just keep going. Don't stop. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> is that um, and so I, and so a little bit, you know, um, she does have a business, and her business is about healing. She's into aesthetics and reiki healing, and breathing teach breathing work and sound healing as well. And so we have to just really, really look at how. We come across to people, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of what you do transcends, it transcends into what you're trying to do with work, what you how you come across at work. You're young. You have all the time in the world to continue to build life as a millennial, and is there something that you want to say or share before we move to the next panelist in terms of your business, how people can get in touch with you? Because you never know. You might have a politician listening. And that politician may turn around and want to have you as an intern so that someone can take you under their wing and teach you about politics. I mean, look at Stacey Abrams. She literally lost um, to being the governor of Georgia. But what she did is she immobilized a historic vote. She was able to get people out to vote from all walks of life, from all different cultures, Mm -hmm. from all different races. She was able to do that, and it was because of a belief system that people wanted to make their voice heard and they wanted to make their their vote count. So keep going, don't stop. And especially with you trying to to develop your nonprofit, Rain and Shine, for healing, okay, and keeping up with your political endeavors, especially also nutrition. So did you want to share something else? Because I'm proud of you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, if uh, you guys lo- would like to follow me, uh, my Instagram is uh, Soul S O U L Selfish. So it'll be S O U L S E L S and um, also at Soul Love, L-O-V-E. Um, And yeah, if there's anybody uh, you know in the Houston area or Anywhere else, honestly, I do remote healing. I do remote um, breathwork sessions uh, via Zoom, obviously. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You can find that information on the website as well.
0: All righty, all righty. Well, thank you so much. Don't go anywhere because we might just have everyone question. Someone may have some questions or something for you. The next person that I have a lot of respect for, and I talked, we, we had a conversation today on the phone, and it was a moving conversation, um, and that person's name is Valerie. She's a Caucasian woman, again, who's living in the Midwest. She is a baby boomer, and I wanted to, to 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 bring her here as well so that we can understand how she feels, how her current events, or what's happening in racism, sexism, ageism, classism, hemophobia, nationalism, religious prejudice, xenophobia, voting rights, or equality – that she wants to share with our listening audience so that people can understand this one incident that showed our country the other day, that's not who we really are. That's something that people just didn't know how to express what they were feeling or because people felt like something was taken from them and they just didn't really know how to be heard Or however, whatever they did, it was not right. The way it was done was wrong. And people got hurt and lost their lives in the process. And so I want to... I had a very special conversation and moment with Valerie today. Valerie, I just want you to share, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me, Debbie. Thanks for coming. Thanks for showing up. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for showing up. I just wanted to... Our conversation today, you know, once, once I stopped talking to you, I got off the phone. I really had to think hard and deep about what you were saying. It wasn't just a conversation. It was what you felt and how you felt that you wanted to be heard and you wanted to be representative. I mean, I'm sorry, represented. I'm tongue Everybody knows I get tongue-tied, so <laughs> I do sometimes. But you wanted to be representative. You, you wanted to be heard. You And so can you share with the audience how you feel with what's going on in the areas of what you feel? So with that being said, Valerie, the floor is yours.
4: Okay, thank you again. Um, So as you mentioned, I am a Caucasian. Uh, However, um, I'm first-generation American on my father's side, who was Scandinavian, Mm -hmm. and my mother was Sicilian, so second generation on her side. So we really haven't been in the U.S. for many years. They came over mm-hmm. on my mom's side in the early 1900s okay. and married within their own, you know, nationality. Right. Um, but I can, and so I can't speak to, um, you know, having this um, race uh, racism against me per se with mm-hmm. with the um, everything that's going on. But within even the European, so I'm Europe, Northern European and Southern Euro- European. Even within that, there is racism there, yeah. where my mother was not accepted by my father's family mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of her skin tone, which was an olive tone, darker skin tone than a than a, um, perhaps a Swedish person who's a lighter tone. So I I can understand a little of that. But as a child, I thought, what this woman is, you know. The most wonderful mother and sweetest person, friend of many, and you're against her because mm-hmm. she married. You know she's from a different country or a culture.
0: Yes, you know
4: nationality. Mm-hmm. Um, but however, to speak to more of what's going on now, um, and I would like to stay on that uh, also to honor Doctor Doctor King, yes ma'am. Um, mm-hmm. who I admire greatly. Um, you know, I experienced a little bit of it first, uh, close by. I wouldn't say it was, it was firsthand with, um, I'm near Kenosha and I'm near Chicago. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Both of those cities went through, you know, it's and to me it's extremely sad. Um, I also am a Christian. Yes. So from a Christian point of view, uh, we have to love our, you know, our brother. Uh, no matter who that is, I'm not going to tell you that I am perfect. I am far from perfect. Um, But moving to a larger, you know, metropolitan area than where I grew up, I have um, experienced all different races, Mm -hmm.
0: nationalities,
4: creeds, um, and, you know, I'm a better person for that because I think, you know, when you're, you're stuck in your little neighborhood somewhere where everybody looks like you, you know, you, that's where the, the issues are, I believe. So um, my church has times where we serve an area and we all get together. It might be just going to a school and painting the halls, you know, before the school year starts. Small things like that. So you're serving together. You're working together to better that community. Um, I have a very good friend that's almost like a sister. You know who I'm talking about. I um, know. <laughs> she's African. African-American, and I've known her all over 30 years. That's right. um, And, you know, at times it's really uh, interesting because her and I will we'll be at the same points in our lives, um, right. going through similar experiences and, you know, have stayed close throughout the years. I love her as a sister. I don't see her color um, yep. at all. She's mm-hmm. not my only African-American friend, but probably the longest, you know, that's a long friendship.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I mean, I've, you know, like I said, I've experienced it reversed, but I have not experienced anything that these, um, you know, especially the young men in the, in the African-American community. Mm-hmm. Um, I am against any type of violence. That's why uh, another reason why I really respected Dr. King. He was so powerful with, you know the marches; they were nonviolent. That's we got right. got the message across. I I wish we could get back, you know, back to that. But again, like you mentioned even earlier, that we're all hand in hand.
0: We are. Um, we are. You know,
4: with every because it is it's wrong. Um, you know, and and like right. I mentioned, I question myself um, and wonder. You know, for me, I'm one person. You know, what can I do? I'm not. I'm not in politics, um, you know. I'm just a regular person. Um, what can I do to make a difference? Um, but I really believe, you know, with my church community. Again, when we serve these areas, we're going into every area, and that's everybody's right. working together. So, I think that's a great way. It's a small thing, but it's a good, you know, it's something good for a particular neighborhood or you know, right. well, um, well, city.
0: Well, you know something, um, Valerie. It's just sometimes it's just one kind gesture that can change a person's thoughts, opinion, or them make a decision that will catapult them to somewhere in their life that they never thought they would go. We never know how one act of kindness can change a person's views, their reality, or even the trajectory of where they're actually going in life. So, no act of kindness or servitude or anything of that nature is too small because we never know on what day in that life when you encountered that person did they need it most. And that's how you're serving. That is how you're serving. So, don't say that. That's how you're serving. <laughs> because I, you know, we talked today and um, I, I know everybody's phones ringing off the hook about what's going on um, in Washington. <laughs> Or like they're saying, okay, this is terrorism on United States soil, a homegrown or if it's insurrection or whatever they're calling it. And I know you were really touched by vote and and making sure that the vote counted or that you could depend on on that. And I know that right now we have so much uncertainty, but I believe I truly believe that that our the leadership in Washington is going to get down to the bottom of what really has taken place, and some of the stories we're learning is 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 hard to digest. But when Nancy Pelosi said that she was going to launch like a 9/11 commission, something of that nature, so that they could get to the real truth, I know I believe that once once they look at where people question the vote. That I believe together, working across the aisle, that people can bring together um, a system that would ensure everyone, no matter what, who you are Republican, independent, or Democrat, to understand and know that the votes are being counted, they're being counted correctly, we're doing the right thing, and to look at the politicians that cross party lines to say, you know, I am upholding my oath to office and I have to do what is constitutionally right that we do in this democratic uh, society that we have of freedom, um, what we have, what, what the founders laid out in our country for us. And so we have to abide by what the founders laid out, what's in the Constitution, because it is the rule of law. And so, and how do we create inclusion for everybody. Not just this class of people or this race of people, but have inclusion across the aisle for everybody. Um whatever their uh what what whatever their sexual preference is, you know, who they are, um as long as people are not breaking the laws or harming other people, um we don't have the right to say you don't count. And and that's really what all of us are here trying to say is we want to bring unity period. And we want to be looked at as a democratic society in America, because that's what we are. It's just some things happen and we're trying to fix them together. And so did you want to say anything about uh, the vote or how you felt, or did I explain it enough or the floor is yours? (laughs) It's yours. Okay.
4: I mean, I'll just, I'll just reiterate what you said. Um, You know, I was excited to go and vote because I'm exercising my right to vote. I made sure I did it. I went early. And then, you know, as these things transpired, and I do agree there's fraud. Now, I am not involved, so I can't say how much or who, what, where. Uh, But I just want to know, and for all of us, I think I'm speaking for everybody, We we want our vote heard, of course, but... It should be, like you mentioned, a fair, honest election. I mean, that's what this country was founded on. Um, I think we've gotten away from that, like you mentioned, you know, with all the other issues, um, the racial tensions and prejudice against, what, like you mentioned, whatever it is. It could be religious or mm-hmm. sexual preference, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think we've gotten away from that. And if you, you know, go back to the beginning it's about we, the people, I'm not seeing that anymore with our government currently, and you know, and it does say state all men are created equal um that that goes with most religions, I believe, um you know, not just the christian um so you know our we're all brothers and sisters, there's only one race, and that's the human race so but yeah i I'm not um. I would say for the next election in twenty twenty four, I'm going to think. Well, we'll see what happens in four years, but I will rethink it, um, you know. And if I don't feel that my vote's going to matter, I, I most likely won't vote.
0: I think everybody's vote matters. I think that um, everyone's vote matters. We just need to have a system of clarity that no one can yeah. dispute. And I think that's what it's real. It's just about clarity where no one can dispute, where everybody without a shadow of a doubt will know my vote counted, no matter which way you voted. They, they'll, everyone will know that their vote counted. And we can come together and put this situation to bed. And I'm, I'm very sure the leadership um, that we have as politicians in Washington, I believe now they will cross the aisle with each other and say we need to fix it. And I believe with all – uh, how i think i know for a fact they will fix it you know by all means possible to fix whatever the wh- wherever the breakdown is so that everybody knows that without a shadow of a doubt my vote counted because no one ever thought that, that that before all these things happened that their vote didn't count no one ever thought that before everybody all of us got up and knew we were going to go vote and we need to get back to that we need to get back to um, a democratic society and leadership based on in on, our politicians based on our uh, based on um, the Constitution, where they're able to rule based on the Constitution. And I believe that everyone, all of us, need to to understand and know that this this, this we've had some. Questions as to what has gone on, but I think if we're patient and we sit back and we give um, Washington time to actually have their commission explore what the breakdowns were and what they plan on putting in in place in terms of elections, I think we'll all feel better. And I hope you do come back and vote. However you vote, I hope you come back and vote because everybody has the right to vote. Everybody has the right. To make their everyone wants their vote to count and so i believe it and i'm going to pray even harder because i really respect the conversation that we had today and respect the fact that you could come and talk about it here in this panel so i just want to say thank you lady
4: (laughs) oh thank you yes and i agree with you um we did earn that right to vote and we some of us didn't earn that that long you know it wasn't that long ago that we couldn't vote so it's very important. Um, I think just all of us or a lot of us want to feel, um, you know, sure that it's going to be secure and uh, going forward.
0: Exactly. And, 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 and actually what sparked one, one event in history sparked a global drive for equality, globally. And so I was looking. And I wanted, and and so what we have to do, because we have listeners all over the world, and I have to salute the listeners that come to us. Um, like our last show, before this one, we had, I put it on social media. We had Emirates. Uh, we had Germany. We had um, Ireland. We had France. We had the United States and some other uh, places as well. But what I when I looked at, I, I really, really... Looked at something and it was, and I, I just wanted to understand it better. And 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 actually, because of what happened with George Floyd on May twenty fifth, twenty twenty, what happened with him? There were there were actually protests in Eastern Africa, Northern Africa, South mm-hmm. and Southern Africa, Western Africa, the Antarctica, Asia, Central Asia, Eastern Asia. South Asia, Southeastern Asia, Western Asia, um, Europe, Eastern Europe as well, Northern Europe also, um, and I'm trying to cut it because I can see every uh, every province step by step, and there's a lot. South, Southern Europe as well, um, and, and it, it went on, and it's still going. Western Europe also, and I'll keep on going. North America, uh, the Caribbean also. Oceania, South America, and this went on all over the world because of what happened, okay, because of what happened. No matter how small the protests were, how big the protest was based on province, people were reaching out and saying, okay, enough. We want equality across the world. We want to know that we're accepted based on race, based on sex, based on age, based on class, based on uh, hemophobia. Um, what, what do we believe in as what we vote for, what our re- religious beliefs is. We want to get rid of xenophobia Um, We want equality. And it was different things that made people rise up. It wasn't just one thing. It was different things that made people rise up. And so on this panel today, we're rising up to say we want to make this work. We want to bring healing. We want to move forward. And we want other countries to be able to move forward in equality or any of these things. And so... I just wanted you to know that we hear you, we hear what you, we hear what you're saying, Valerie, and I'm just so glad that you came and shared this. I really do, and I salute you too <laughs> today. Thank you, okay, so the next person is near and dear to my heart, <laughs> boy, we have some conversations, and when I tell <laughs> when I tell you we have conversations, boy, do we have conversations so the next person. Um, that I want to bring to panel is an African-American Muslim woman. She is a baby boomer. She lives in Georgia. And there's a lot of sides to her. Um, she actually uh, worked for Reverend Hosea Williams as a staff administrator for Feed the Hungry and Homeless. Um, she also wrote, uh, well, let's step back a little bit. Hosea Williams was a civil rights activist and served as a Georgia legislator. Uh, for the Atlantic City Council member and DeKalb County Commissioner. And she really, that's, I think there's so much that she was able to do with feeding the hungry, working with homeless people, and, you know, and all those things. She was able to really, really stop and think about her direction, her pointed view of where she was actually going, Um she actually has been a Muslim for over 25 years living in Georgia. She's a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother, a wife, and a businesswoman. And many, many times her and I, she's taught me, you know, about even though she, we have a mutual respect for one another, and that doesn't mean to be my friend. She has to denounce her religion. And for me to be her friend, I don't have to denounce my religion. She'll correct me or tell me about... Uh, something within her culture, something she'll, she explains the names of things that they do, how they do it. And we find it interestingly enough on both sides of the aisle and being able to work together, being able to listen to each other as sisters and talk to each other. That's a beautiful thing. It doesn't mean just because a person or just because you have two people of the same race, but they might not be of the same religion. But to be able to come together and not let religion divide us and to be able to have that mutual respect, just as when we look at the rabbis, when we look at Rabbi Abraham Joshua Herschel, as we look at Archbishop Lakeavos, as we look at him, and then as we look at James Reed, the Caucasian minister from Boston who was beaten to death, and we look at those things, these people came from all different walks of life. And they had one thing that they knew that they had in common, which was suffering, to take people away from suffering, equality, the right to vote. Those people got in there and fought for the right of people to be able to vote. And they looked at, like, if this can happen in that community, what might happen in my community? Or what happened to me before I came here? Just as uh, uh, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Herschel, he lost his his mothers and his sisters um, in the Holocaust. He was a Holocaust survivor. He was able to get out just before anything happened to him. And so what I want to do is bring in Haja, Habiba, Shakir, the floor is yours.
5: That's the greeting that we give that says, God's peace be upon you all. And that was one of the very first things that made me so attractive to Islam, the religion of al-Islam. I was born in a Christian home and loved church and the and um, activities of church. And so I've never lost that. Debbie is saying how well we get along because all my family are Christians. My, when I married, my first husband got raised, so I brought them up as Christians. And they love me dearly because I'm not trying to tell them to. My oldest daughter is an evangelist, mm-hmm. and I'm not telling her to give up anything. We just talk about being good. My mother used to say, brighten the corner where you're at. If you can't change the world then, but you can sweep the floor and cook for your family, brighten the corner where you're at. And so I don't see much difference between all of these kinds of things. What I do see that impacts me most is lack of education. If we had good education to validate African Americans in the United States, there would be no big I's and little U's. Our media does not portray African Americans in an intelligent light, and our programming does not portray African Americans in an intelligent light. So how can you expect people to treat people that they feel that they're better than and look down upon because they haven't been trained that way? So I think Stacey Abrams is on to something great. What she has done is going to go down in the history books for our great-great-great-grandchildren to review. And that young woman that came on first, I just want to salute you. I was so, you reminded me of my granddaughters, just listening to you talk. And I was so, so impressed with you. So I just want to say that, that it's about, we need to work, uh, just like Stacey Abrams has taught, Yes. And that uh, educate each person, each um, educational system so that they can put things in there. I have some uh, very good white Caucasian friends and they say, well, I didn't know this and I didn't know that. I didn't grow up learning this. We didn't talk about this in the house. These things were not discussed. So when you have people that are not educated in a certain area and you're trying to create synergy, it is handicapped to a certain degree. For example, one of the things that had impacted me as a Muslim woman, I never really had anybody say anything really disrespectful, but most of the questions that I would get were concerning my dress. Okay. I would be asked, well, why do you wear this scarf on your head? Or why is your dress below your knees? Or, or why is your, are your, the sleeves on your... You know, while this mm-hmm. you're all covered up and it'd be june or july or august here in georgia and i've got on all to them all these clothes mm-hmm. and so i would just smile and say well you know if you go to the desert there's a reason people are covered up there because they don't want the sand and the heat to get in there right uh, but the but the islamic reason for it is because our tradition teaches us in the quran that women are voluptuous and beautiful and men have problems with that, and so the best way to help men to focus on what they're doing is not to portray your body in front of them. So this is the Quranic, from the Quran reason behind that, but to those who are perpetrators and instigators and agent provocateurs, switch that around and turn it into something ugly and say that women are oppressed and these other kinds of things. So this is, you know, when we begin to start educating and put education of other cultures and other peoples, where they come from and things like that, then we, when we meet each other out in the street or meet each other at the bank or meet each other on the job, then we can think of the things that we learned about right, them.
0: I right. I've, I've,
5: I've learned country music. My mother <laughs> brought us up and she played country western. I've, I've been knowing about... I was country before country was
0: cool. Well, that's okay. You remember you sure? that song? Well, I remember. Listen, I wanted to. We had a great conversation also, and I wanted the uh, listen audience to hear this conversation. And this conversation was about your headdress, and so, and, and I know you said a lot of times people, people, your hijab, and a lot of times people don't understand, and so I, I this one great story that you shared with me about work and your religious, how it tied into your religious beliefs of that you had to put, you know, to cover yourself, you had to cover. If you can kind of share that with us, because I wanted to look at things in terms of people have gone through, they're going through all type of things. And we don't know how it affects people. Like I wanted to tell people about John, this man's name, he's, he's a Muslim faith and his name is John Doe, uh, Joseph Doe. And, um, his, his family reunited after the court rejects the refugee ban. So the refugee, Joseph Doe, plaintiff, and Doe versus Trump and ACLU WA suit lawsuit, Challenging the Trump administration's Muslim ban was finally able to hug his wife. It's not about the, it's it's about what this man went through. And I want you guys to hear this part. This man was finally able to hug his wife and three children. Ending four years of separation, the family was united at SeaTac Airport after a federal court ruled and granted a nationwide injunction against the ban that would have indefinitely prevented children and spouses from any country from rejoining refugees like Doe who've already been admitted to the United States. He states he was overjoyed to see his wife and children and to be together as a family again. I'm so grateful that the judge recognized my right to have my family join me here in the United States. That's a, there's a precedent on that actual case. And this was an African American Muslim. Well, he was he was uh, a black Muslim. He was his skin tone. So I don't really know exactly um, what his his complete nationality was. But when we make decisions and we do things, we don't know how it affects the next person. Or we have to we have to create the narrative that we need to have more sensitivity to what other people are going through and how they're being impacted based on decisions, especially our own decisions. And you were impacted also because of your, your religious belief and also the way that you have to dress is what you were explaining. And this is something you chose to do. It was chosen. You were chosen. You chose to do this out of what your belief system is, is this is what you should do. And so I wanted to know if you would share that story about your hijab.
5: Sure. I worked at uh, one of the companies connected to the Hartsfield-Jackson Airport here in Atlanta. (laughs) And when I first went in for orientation and they saw my head, the administrators saw my head, the human resources saw that my head was covered with uh, a scarf, they didn't have a name for it. They, it just the fact that I had on the scarf came under the uh, instructions of the do's and the don'ts," and it had head scars, wraps, hats. There was a whole list of different things, so there's nothing wrong with what they were doing. They were just following their protocol based on the human resources mm-hmm. um, guidelines. and uh, so they told me that, well you know Ms Kaufman, you'll you have to take off your. Scarf to work here and so forth, and so I said, "Well, I really uh, uh, don't want to do that, and I would like to sit down and explain to you why." So after I got to explaining to her why that it was part of my religion, I was Muslim and so forth, then she said, "Well, let me talk to uh, my boss." And uh, she, apparently, she liked the way I explained it to her because she didn't know she wasn't had anything in the animus. She didn't know me, right. and. Uh, Presented myself as, you know, a, a conscientious adult, and so and I took time to explain it to her. Next thing I knew, they called me back in the office and said, you can be, you can wear your scarf." because it's religion, and we put that down on the religion, so that way you'll have your badge on and nobody will interfere with you or mob you or try to stop you from coming in or going out. So that was, uh, you know, a positive experience, and sometimes you just have to tell people exactly the reasons behind if you so choose to. Some people don't, but since I'm older, I I don't mind taking the time. And then another thing um, to show you how growth and development spreads when you explain things, I'm a a member of the senior citizen uh, community here, and uh, I, I like to swim, but I have a Islamic, a Muslim woman's swim outfit. We have... Something, if you've seen those scuba divers (laughs) with that plastic, that that suit that covers from neck to uh, ankles, and then they put on their flippers and their goggles and go underwater. Well, that's Islamic women's swim attire with the same kind of material, only just a little bit more feminine looking. Well, in some countries, that's against the law. You cannot, a Muslim woman cannot go down to the beach wearing all that long stuff, but yet a man can put that long stuff on and go scuba diving. (laughs) See, that's poor education because what happens is, what they're saying is, now as long as you have on a bikini, you're cool. But if you wear on something to cover all that up, you're creating a problem. And see, it's this kind of miseducation. There's a book by Carter G. Woodson, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, called The Miseducation of the Negro, which really talks about that kind of miseducation within our community. But there's a global miseducation as well, because it's the big eyes and the little you. so I think the root of the matter is to get back to educating All cultures, when we get back to school, we'll have Native Americans, we'll have Hispanics, we'll have Caucasians, we'll we'll have African Americans, and other immigrants coming to school. The curriculum needs to be revised. And it's going to take time if you do it all at once. It costs millions of dollars. But the teachers that are coming through now, like my granddaughters, they're all educators and my grandson's educator. And they, had, they say, Grandma, we have a style when well, we we're talking with because we have multinational students.
0: That's right.
5: In our classrooms. And so when they're teaching, they're conscious of that because when they were coming up, I was talking to them a certain way. Right. So we, this is where I think what you're talking about, Debbie, this uh, seeing other people in the light of being a human. Mm-hmm. And that's what each of you saying, the other lady that's the baby boomer, the millennial lady that said the same thing. Seeing people in the
0: light of their humanity, that's what works. Sometimes you have to meet people where they are, not where you want them to be. Simple. And I agree with you 100%. And I want to share something with you um, about race and ethnicity in the United States. Where we've come. If you, you know, I want to say this. Hopefully Martin Luther King Jr. hears me today And and I want to share something from the Census Bureau. It says the most recent United States census officially recognizes five racial categories, white, American, black, or African American, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and other Pacific Islanders, as well as people of two or more races. The Census Bureau also classified respondents as Hispanic or Latina, or not Hispanic or Latino, identifying Hispanic and Latino as an ethnicity, not a race, which compromises the largest group in the nation. The United States Supreme Court unanimously held that race is not limited to census designation on the race question, but extends to all ethnicities and thus can include Jewish, Arab, Italian, Hungarian, Laotian, and Zulu, etc. The census also ask an ancestry question, which covers the broader notion of ethnicity in the 2000 census along from the African American, I'm sorry, along in the American Community Survey. The questions will return again, and they returned again in the 2020 census, and they were not removed from that census. And so if we look at where we've come, if you look at the census in the 60s, it's much different today than it was <laughs> then. And so we're moving and we may not be moving as fast as other people may want us to, but the point is the the point is that the point has been well taken and it's been noted and people are trying to make a difference in what is going on. And it takes people being open and honest, like our brave panelists to be able to share and talk about, you know, how this how things are impacting them. And to understand when we see another Caucasian woman on the street, we don't have to just say, oh, she's prejudiced. Well, there's a lot of prejudice. It just doesn't have to be against a, a race of people. You can be prejudiced about the way I wear my hair. You can be prejudiced about the clothes I have on. You can be prejudiced because you don't like the car I'm driving. You could hate that company of that car and be prejudiced against the makers of that car. There's a lot of different Ways, But we have to now be more cognizant of how we actually interact and stop judging everyone and feeling like everybody belongs in a class, like the class of people. um, I had a couple of people say to me, and that was the reason why I went and looked at the, the uh, Black Lives Matter marches all over the world because I wanted to bring that to the forefront. And I told a person, I said, well, you know, all these things that are going on, we're going to have to get our guns. And, you know, and I said, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. They can come and they can this. I said, let me say something to you. Just slow that down because you're on the other other side of the aisle. And if you start saying they and them and us and we and and if you start saying that, then you're taking away all of the progress that has been made because when black lives matter, when those people were in the street, it was some of everybody in the street that made up the world. So we have to stop saying those things. And because none of us are superior, we're human beings, God forbid. And this is going to be the last part in the podcast. And I started thinking, God forbid if, if, if I hope no one thinks I sound crazy, but it's just a point I'm trying to make. We have enough going on with COVID. And it's, and it's touching people all over the world. COVID doesn't know any race, any ethnicity. They don't know. COVID knows nothing. It just knows I'm a disease and I'm killing people. That's what it knows. Now, take that away and say if we had aliens that came down and another life form and that other life form started killing everything that was human and the next thing you know you're in a in a hole with a asian person you're in that hole with a hispanic person a russian person um maybe you're you're in you're it's a whole bunch of different people from all walks of life trying to survive in this one cave or something and knowing that um the human race will be over say it's five or six people are you gonna tell me those people gonna be in the cage being are they gonna be in this cave being prejudiced? Or are they gonna be in this pe- in this cage trying to understand we need each other to survive? We need each other to keep the human race going, and this is what we have to do. And the human race may come out looking much differently than what it did when you went in. That's something for us to think about. Instead of us dividing ourselves, we gotta figure out how to come together. And we have to we have to learn not only how to come together, but to respect each other where they stand. We have to, we have to stop feeling like you're not good enough. I'm better than you or all that stuff, because it's not true. And when people act this way, it's mostly because they're operating in fear. And so with that being said, I'm just going to ask the panel, does anyone have anything that they'd like to say? Um, Victoria, is there anything that you'd like to say Habiba, is there anything that you would like to say? Valerie, is there anything you'd like to say? Um, Jay, is there anything you'd like to say before we close the panel? Because I'm going to let somebody close the show, not me tonight, I <laughs> mean today. And so between any four of you, is it anything that anyone has to say before we close?
2: I just I just want to say I'm Jay. I'm Debbie's daughter. I'm Victoria's <laughs> friend. <laughs> Hi everybody! I'm very proud of my mom. Hey. I'm, I'm down in Georgia. I live in Georgia now. Um, but I'm very proud of my mom. I'm very proud of my friend Victoria, and I'm I'm proud of Miss Habiba um, because I got to work with Habiba as well, Miss um, Habiba as well, and um and Miss Valerie like,
0: and Miss Valerie I, and Miss Valerie. I'm sorry, yes. But I'm
2: very <laughs> I'm very happy to be able to say, um, being raised by my mom. She she got us a, she gave us the opportunity that her mother gave her, and that was to be raised in a diverse background. Um, a lot of people don't know, but we are we are of um, Native American, Creole, and Hispanic descent as well. We're not completely black
0: and Indian. And so my mom doing <laughs>
2: this actually shows me um, that you know it it just shows to make me feel like my kids and my grandson, because she is a great grandmother, <laughs> um, that that, you know, we don't see color. We just see people, and that's how we were raised, and that's how we're we're raising the rest of our family and our lineage. And to be able to hear different women of different backgrounds share their triumphs and also their struggles as well as, you know, we, we are all the same. We, we breathe the same. We, we think the same in some ways. We have different opinions. That's what makes us unique, but the fact that right now, to be able to see my friend run for mayor in Houston, um, to be able to see my mother to do a podcast with with people that didn't that don't look like us, that don't sound like us, is so different. And um, I just think it's a special thing. And I feel that this was much needed because of the the separation of this of this country right now. Right now, we're trying to find that unity and common ground. It with us grabbing. It starts with us grabbing each other and saying, "Hey, I'm here." whether we wanna believe it or not, I'm here. I see you. I see what you go through. So, um, I'm just happy to be a part of this and yes, I've been on the phone the whole time listening and <laughs> and just proud. As a proud Thank woman, you. as a proud mom, a proud grandmother, a proud daughter, a proud friend. Um, I I just applaud all of you because a lot of you have made the way for me and my friends and my kids and my, and my, my future generations to be able to do the things we're doing now. And just to be able to take a hat and say, I commend and I'm proud of each and every one of you oh, for sharing God. and taking the time out thank- of your busy schedule. So thank you so much. Well, and thank you, mom. You're <laughs> welcome. Well, this is yeah. just going to be food for thought.
0: And then after that, whoever wants to close can say the show is officially over, but, um, and then you gotta say, now we're about to vacate the seat. And that's how you close the show. But <laughs> I just want to say this food for thought for everybody um, that's listening all over the world. I just want to say this. Just think about this. If you had congestive heart failure and you were, let's say, you let's just say you had congestive heart failure and you were African American, and someone said, Okay, we found you a heart. And you know, usually they don't tell you or anything like that. We found you a heart, and the heart that you were going to get, um, literally came from uh, someone that it, it, it came from a different race, okay. And just say you just didn't accept any other race except for the African American race, are you telling me? That you're not gonna take that heart because you know that that heart came out of maybe an Asian person. You're gonna take the heart because you wanna live. So, what we need to do is start realizing and giving people our hearts and saying, you know something. And I have one more special person I wanna bring you into because he's here. I just noticed it. Before we close, I wanted to bring uh, another friend um, that is a Caucasian male um, in the Midwest. His name is Joseph. He has a couple of businesses that he runs, so he couldn't jump in. But I, I don't know how long you've been listening, but I just realized you're here. How you doing, Joseph? <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm great. How are you? I'm
0: doing good. <laughs> I was like, where are you yeah, at? I'm
3: sorry, I, I got tied up, and I, uh, well, here I am.
0: Okay, well, how much, I mean, I'm hoping you got a, a chance to listen. How long have you been on? I just got on. Okay, that's okay. You know what we talked about today. Okay. I just want, you, we had a very poignant conversation To I was almost in tears. I think Joseph was too. And he was, he's hurting. And he was telling me why he's hurting. I'm hurting, he's hurting, we're hurting. The world is hurting. The nation is hurting. Everybody's hurting. So, Joseph, before we close, could you explain why you're hurting? <clears throat> what What's hurting you with what's going on?
3: well um, the, there's a few things um, what what's really hurting me is um, you know the assault on the Capitol is what really hurt you know I, I, I was excuse me I um, I was just very hurt by just seeing what happened and oh can you hear me okay guys
0: I can hear you I'm turning you up I can hear you go ahead
3: oh okay but I I just think I, I it was just so sad to see um, you know these these people with their assault on the Capitol and um, just, you know, the, the anger and hate in their eyes. And I, I just, you know, I felt I felt bad for our country, but I also felt sorry for them and, mm-hmm. you know, for them to be, you know, for them to be, um, you know, just so riled up about, you know, about this and, you know, how they went about it, um, you know, with violence and, you know, that just. It just saddens me um mm-hmm. you know we're here, we're here to one uh, love one another and um, you know I didn't uh, we weren't loving one another on that day and you know the the other big uh, issue is you know with covid um
0: yeah
3: it's just really sad with what's going on uh it's just you know hard to live um, a life you know where you're, you're seeing people die every day you're seeing uh you know, you're seeing so much suffering, um, you know, I, myself, you know, not going anywhere, not seeing people, not hugging, not, you know, not sharing good stories, not joking with one another, you know, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's just made it harder to live, and, you know, I think that, you know, there's just a lot of hurt and suffering going on in this world right now, and, you know, we just, uh, I know it's going to get better, and, uh. Like I said the early, uh, earlier, uh, Debbie, is that, you know, maybe this is a wake-up call for it all is. of us.
0: It is. It is. You know? It is. because we had a good conversation, and I was in tears, and I think Joseph was too. And, you know, maybe God is tired, and I'm just saying, I don't want to just say God, because people have all different type of beliefs, and I'm not putting my belief. I just don't know how to say it in your culture. Who, who's ever listening, I don't know how, but I'm not just saying this, this is engraved in stone. But I believe that what's happening to us, we can relate in many ways um, to what's happening in in, in the past, uh, over a thousand years ago, like the plague. And maybe we need to just change what we're doing. Maybe we need to learn to love one another and as these doctors, these nurses that are working their bodies in sheer exhaustion, not seeing their families, the sacrifices that they're making. Some of them don't even go home. They go stay at a hotel because they don't want to make anyone sick in their family, being separated. All these things is is things that we need to look at. And and when when he was saying this to me, it, it, I knew he was hurting. I knew when he said what happened at the Capitol, this is what's affecting me. I knew he was hurting. He was hurting for the people that were doing it. And we were hurting for the people that were angry, you know, because we knew it wasn't right. And we're also hurting for our lawmakers, the people that died, that said, okay, I'm going and uh, protest something and I'm going to go do And they didn't come back home again. They didn't make it back home. They didn't die of COVID, but they still died. And so we're thinking about all this stuff, like how it's not about when we come together. We have to do it now. And it's not about how we're going to come together. We got to figure it out now. And we got to act on it. And I'm just so glad that, Joseph, I just thank you for the conversation we had today. Is there anything else you want to share?
3: Uh, you know, those are, yeah, two. I wish I had more. I wanted, I told you, I wanted to kind of reflect a little bit before I talked to you, but unfortunately I didn't have the time. But um, I just, you know, I, I, I just told, like I said, that people realize, you know, there's, we we all have work to do, and we all mm-hmm. we all we all have work to do, and uh, we all um, you know just have to be very you know I think it's gonna we're all gonna be more considerate of one another and each other and their yeah. views and you know I think ultimately what's gonna happen is we're gonna create a hopefully a more safe peaceful and happy
5: world.
0: I think so. I think I think reality is hitting us all where things that we thought could never happen has happened, and now we need to stand up and be united and to begin to heal with respect to the next person. And I think that this is that wake-up call right here, right now. So with that being said, who's going to say the show is officially over and it's time to vacate the seat? It's not going to be me today. It has to be the panelists. Okay, who's doing it?
3: (laughs) I, I'm not. I'll
0: pass. <laughs> all right. Okay, Miss Abiba, can you say this show is officially over <laughs> and it's time to be all busy?
5: right? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. But let me just say one more thing, real quick. What civilization has been painfully
0: struggling for spiritually,
5: socially, and materially is a human-oriented culture and world society. That's from the as the light shiner from the EC, ma'am. W D Muhammad. Okay, this show. Is officially over. We're getting ready to vacate the premises.